this evening. And I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to share with my brothers and sisters what you put on my heart and for the openness of Paula to allow me to talk because I'm not here on my own accord. That's something that you put on my heart that I would want to share with my brothers and sisters about connecting to destiny and even imparting a little bit about how you showed me my own calling and destiny. Um, and uh, what you're showing me in your word about how important that is at this particular moment in time in history that we understand what our, what our calling and our destiny is. And thank you, Lord, for um, uh, showing me out of your word and uh, <clears throat> different things. And I'd like to first share something I wasn't going to share before, but just put it on my hand a few minutes ago. That uh, we all get our, we all receive our identity, our calling, and our destiny from God our Father. And the scripture that I will use to back that up is in Matthew uh, 16, verses 13 to 20. When Jesus, I like to call him Yeshua for his Hebrew name, came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, Father, I pray that the eyes and ears of the hearts of my brothers and sisters, their spirits would be enlivened to hear what you want to say to them. Not what I want to say to them, but what you want to say to them tonight and how important, because you've always shown me that words are. Well, I want to thank you for your word. He asked his disciples, saying, who do, you, who do men say that I am? Actually, more specifically, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So Jesus identified himself already as the Son of Man in the question. Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and some others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? You see, from a lawyer's point of view, you wouldn't want to have hearsay, right? That's hearsay evidence, what other people say. Jesus was getting back to the point of who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ. That word Christ there means anointed one. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father, my Father who is in heaven. And I say to you that you are Peter, now notice what's going on there, right? Men cannot tell us who we are. And we should never have the fear of man in us. Only God can tell us who we are. And I say to you that you, Peter, you are Peter. And on this rock, <clears throat> that word Peter, by the way, means little stone. Not the rock up at Gibraltar, but the little stone. And I say that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. The rock he refers there is the bedrock, which refers to Christ himself. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So when I was praying, I guess earlier this past week, <clears throat> the Lord began to bring out certain things that just started, um, how should I say, agitating me inside, and it's stirring is a better word, stirring inside of me. Uh, things I was listening to, Robin Bullock, on some of the things he was describing in pre prophetic uh, Bible study, and I was told some other people, I don't know if you hear that, uh, Paul, I think on Wednesday night, gave it a name, said Shabaking. Yeah. which is a Hebrew word where I was actually shouting in the car when I was listening to the things he was saying because my spirit was like jumping out about what it was about. And I'm going to touch upon some of those things, not go into all of them, but to understand now about um, uh, our destiny and this title of this talk is about connecting with our destiny. I want to go back to originally in Genesis and I'd like to go a little quickly through things uh, and see if we can all connect the dots together. Um, in Genesis chapter 3, 
it's the first messianic prophecy. Actually, starting before that, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 13, this is after um, the Adam and Eve had eaten of the fruit. Go back one even verse further, this is in 12. And the man said, the woman, who, the woman who you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I ate. So there's Adam blaming Eve for eating of the tree. And the Lord said to the woman, what is this you've done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. I don't remember how important words are. That word deceive actually means debtor. So she created a debtor relationship with the serpent. It goes on later, and he says, the God says to him, and I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between, because you've done this. Let me read the whole thing. Because you have done this, God's now speaking. Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the cattle, and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and he shall bruise his heel. First Messianic prophecy is about the seed of the woman. That seed we know to be Jesus Christ, who was born of a virgin. He did not have a male father, a human father. He had God as his father. That was when the seed of the woman and the battle lines were drawn. From that moment on, Satan has tried to steal, kill, and destroy the human race and try to pervert our DNA so that Jesus would not come and he'd be able to overcome him. He's trying to overcome the seed of the woman. Wasn't able to do it the first time, will not be able to do it the second time. Even though he's getting into transhumanism, which we'll go into later, and trying to pervert our DNA and corrupt the seed of uh, Adam, seed of the woman, or Adam's seed. <coughs> Chapter six goes through the Nephilim and angels or divine beings, whether they were actually angels or not, I'm not sure, but spiritual beings of some nature, fallen from their estate. You know the story. Had sex with woman, and the Nephilim came down and created uh, Nephilim beings, which was a, a perversion of the human race. Um, now, that... Okay. So, in John 10.10, 10, it goes back to saying... Um, that Satan's trying to steal, kill, and destroy. When he cannot uh, kill us, and he is trying to depopulate the earth, don't make any bones about that. Depopulation of the earth is one of his lifetime goals, we call that, one of his complete goals. But if he can't steal, kill, and destroy our bodies, he'll Try like hell, and I literally mean that word, try like hell, to steal, kill, and destroy our destinies. Mm -hmm. Because if he can knock us out of our destinies, he knocks us out of being used by God against him. <clears throat> Make sense? <clears throat> the thief, John 10, 10 says, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Okay? So, Lord's telling us, written in red, letters that, this is Jesus' words, he wants us to have life, and life more abundantly. And life more abundantly is life walking with God as, as Adam did in the garden. And I want to show you something, that all of our destinies, God spoke to me, come out of the Our Father, always tied to our Father, and that's in Matthew 6, verse 10. Specifically, it says, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The 10th verse says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Our destinies are tied to that. We are tied to bringing the earth, the, uh, the kingdom of heaven onto the earth. But now what we're doing in terms of the specificity of that 
the principle and the strategy is still the same. Always got to bring um, that onto the earth. Um, now, when I go back to looking at um, Matthew 4, when Jesus started his ministry of bringing heaven onto the earth, something interesting happened. I actually learned this from uh, Robin D. Um, where is it here? Um, so, Jesus, you know, we all remember the story. I've heard this hundreds of times. Um, Jesus would go to the Jordan to be baptized. And so it says, Then Jesus came from the Galilee to John of the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John, who we know was his cousin, by the way. They were cousins. And John tried to prevent him, saying, Cousin, I need to be baptized by you, and you are coming to me? You know, remember, John the Baptist was baptizing for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus didn't have any sin. So why should he be baptizing Jesus? Right? Interesting question. But Jesus said, answered and said to him, Permit it so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. What was he talking about? Fulfilling all righteousness. Now, God told me a few years ago, righteousness means right position, rightly related, right-hearted. It's not a religious term. It's a very practical term. Being in the right position, right-related, and right-hearted is what righteousness means. It's not having to do with, oh, that man's doing righteous acts or righteous behavior. Now, he may be doing righteous behavior, but he, it comes out of the root word, meaning right position, right related, right-hearted. When Adam sinned, he lost dominion. Right? Mm -hmm. Now, if you look at the kingdoms that existed, you had the mineral kingdom. Follow me on this. I'm going quick. Talk to Michael about this at lunch and we go through this. There's the mineral kingdom. There's rocks. Then you have the plant kingdom. Then you have the animal kingdom. Then you had angels, and then you had man. That's the levels of creation. God is not part of that because he was the only uncreated being. But in creation, you had five levels of, of creation. In those five levels of creation, Lucifer became intensely enraged and jealous when he found out that God was going to create a being above him. Intense jealousy. That being was going to be called man. Lucifer had no idea what man was going to look like or be like, but he, he was going to be above him. That's all he cared about. When creation happened, and you could follow this in Robin D's thinking, it just really struck me. In the third day, God laid himself and cast himself onto the earth into the dirt and created an image of himself. Remember, we made in the image and likeness of God. He cast himself, made a cast in the earth that nobody could see. On the third day. On the sixth day, he created man. He laid over that cast and breathed into him and gave him a living soul and gave him dominion over all the kingdoms, including the angelic kingdom. Everybody follow me on that one? So when he sinned, he lost dominion. And that went to Satan. But Satan always tries to put us under his control. Yes. Julian, can I ask you a question? Go ahead. What do you mean he lost dominion? Because like right now I could just, you know, call down angels and they could do the Lord's bidding. So what do you mean he lost control? We've lost control. Like we, 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 we are now kind of shared control. Be <coughs> Well, yeah. The, the thought being there is that when Adam sinned, he forfeited dominion to Satan. That's why Satan was able to tempt Jesus and say, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. Because positionally, right? Now, in the church, not by the Holy Spirit, he's given us back dominion. We do have dominion back in oh, Christ. Okay, gotcha. Got me? Yeah. But I'm going back before that happened. <laughs> 
Right. Uh -huh. okay. So, um, so Adam lost dominion, and Jesus is going to redeem that. And redeeming that meant he's going to bring man, mankind, back above, above all the kingdoms, back into his original position, under God, but ahead of the angels. Satan don't like that. That's not his cup of tea. And then he says, when he had baptized, meaning John had baptized Jesus, he came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened. So we have an open heavens among the, above the Jordan River, and he saw the Spirit of God, Ruach Kadesh, the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven. Whose voice was that? The Father's voice. Remember I told you about the Father? Remember I told you about identity, calling, and destiny? Where does it come from? The Father. And the Father said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Immediately the Spirit of God takes Jesus out. Uh, then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted, fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. So did Satan tempt him at the beginning of the 40-day period or at the end? We won't go into the 40, what 40 represents at the moment, but just, it was at the end. Okay. And when the tempter came to him, he said, if, catch this, if you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. What did the Father say at the beginning of the 40-day period? When he was baptized. This is my son of my well Yeah, God said it. Satan says, if. So he's trying to create doubt. If you are the Son of God, command these stones become bread. This is a very interesting thing, and Robin brought this out to me. He said it was as if Satan knew, because he had seen Adam change stones, think mineral kingdom now, stones are made of the mineral kingdom, into bread. Satan had seen a man change stones into bread. And he was tempting Jesus to push himself down to have control over the middle kingdom was fine as long as he was under Satan. Are you catching that? And Jesus didn't take the bait. He says, I'm not going there. I'm not creating these, uh, changing the stones back into bread. Obviously, he had the power to do that. Did he have the power to do that as God? Or did he have the power to do that as man? God. As man. Yeah. Adam had the power to do that. Adam lost it. That was the dominion, that was part of the dominion that Adam had, that he lost. And Jesus was going to read that back to us, that we would be back in that position. True, he did have it as God. Like as God, he created everything. But he came and took on flesh. Remember, wait, he set aside his Godhead and took on flesh to restore back to mankind their righteousness, that righteousness might be fulfilled, their rightful position under God, but ahead of Satan. So I would be honest, I used to think it was God. No, it's not. It was as man that he, he was restoring back righteousness. And it was not only going to be over the mineral kingdom, it was not only going to be over the plant kingdom. It was not only going to be over the animal kingdom, which he had been put, that Satan had pushed uh, Adam down into the animal kingdom. That's where the animal sacrifices covered their sin. But he was going to put, uh, so it was going to be overcome all four kingdoms, getting back to his original position. He was going to overcome the mineral, the plant, the animal, and the angelic. And Satan himself, man, was going to be catapulted back into his original position that he was in the garden. And that's where he was. Now, don't forget, Satan can't create anything. God had a family. And we can co-create. 
with God. We can have babies. We can have offspring. Satan cannot have babies. He cannot have offspring. That's what the part of the reason the whole Nephilim thing was like in chapter 6. He perverted the woman to bring forth offspring because he couldn't do it. He was not a created being that could create offspring. God did not give him the power of creation or procreation. But he gave it to his family. He gave it to Adam. And Adam was his family. Adam was Mishpokah to the Lord God Almighty, the Father himself. And suddenly a voice came from heaven. Where were you? Okay. Now when the tempter came to him, he said to him, if you, if you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. But he answered and said, this is Jesus now saying, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. What do the words do that proceed from the mouth of God? They create. When God said, let there be light, were those words coming from the mouth of God? Yes. He creates. Why do you think when Pontius Pilate talked to Jesus, he was silent? Because whatever came out of his mouth was going to happen. Right? Think about that. He didn't want to call down legions of angels. He didn't want to say anything. He just kept his mouth shut. Like a sheep going to a shearer. Then the devil took him up to the holy city, set him on the pinnacle, and said to him again, second time, if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you. Second temptation. Uh, and Jesus said, in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. You know, it's interesting how Satan was quoting scripture here. He was tempting him with scripture, but out of context and out of righteousness. It was unrighteous, the things that Satan was saying. Not righteous, unrighteous. And Jesus said to him, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. And again, the devil took him up to an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. Okay, well, think about what Adam had done. Lost dominion, and Satan now had it because it's a usurper. He usurped the powers. And he said to him, Satan said to Jesus, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. That's what he's after. That's what he's always after. That's what we're battling on the earth today. That's why we have the problems we have with the cabal. That's why we have the problems with the central bankers who have the Federal Reserve whose product is debt. They want us to be indebted. They want to use money to control us. That's why we have a fight between good and evil. That's why we have a fight between freedom and control. He wants to control us. He wants to contaminate our DNA with mRNA vaccines that are programmable so that we can become transhuman under his control. You see how this all fits together? I'm gonna to tie it together, by the way, at the end of this thing with your, with your destinies because they come into this thing. Then Jesus said to him, away with you. Now something, that's one of the verses in King James, but it says in other verses, and Robin D brings this out, and I studied it exactly right. The third time, the third temptation, Jesus' response was, now catch, catch this truth. I'm not here today to bring, to persuade you of anything. I'm here to persuade the truth that God has revealed to me and hoping and praying that you'll capture as much of the truth as you can. Capture it. Now capture this truth. Jesus says to Satan, get behind me, Satan. What was he talking about? The authority level. Get behind me, Satan. You are underneath me. You are, I am higher than you are. As, as man, 
Of course he was the son of God, but as man, you're behind me. He was talking about the pecking order of authority. That must have drove Lucifer and Satan through the roof, right? Because Jesus knew what he was saying. And Satan knew what he was saying. Then Jesus said to me, get behind me, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him. And behold, the angels came and ministered to him. Are you catching some of this? This is encapsulates the war of the ages that started in the garden, started with the cursing, uh, uh, you know, the serpent, obviously, and the messianic prophecy of, uh, first of all, telling that the debt was going to be one of the instruments because he was indebted to the serpent. Moving forward, it ends up being the, the uh, seed of the woman. Right? He's going to crush his head. He's trying to stop that. He's trying to continuously get control. After the garden, he had control. We won't go into all the things about the coverings and all that other stuff. Um, but it was all about control. And for uh, another word you might use is power. The power to control us, human beings. And the one who stands in the way of Satan controlling human beings is the church. And more specifically, at the higher end of the church, is the bride of Christ. And we've got to find that when Jesus died, when he said, unless a seed falls to the ground, can anybody complete the rest of that scripture? Unless a seed falls to the ground, it shall not bring forth fruit. What was the fruit of Jesus dying? Us. More specifically, at the end of the age, Romans eight. All creation groans, awaiting for the revelation of the sons of God, which is the fulfillment of the fruit that came of Jesus' death. The revelation to the earth. You know, one of the things I also appreciate about Robin D when he talks about things. He, he uses pictures, word pictures, that just inspire me when he says the things, he's, how he says the things that are in Scripture. Okay? Um, I really appreciate, uh, what was the word picture he had? It just escaped me there for a second. But, um, well, even in songs we sing, the winds and the waves still know his voice. Creation still knows the voice of God. Creation still knows the voice of man expressed in communion with God. When, when, Adam, when mankind is, has been restored back to his position above Satan, creation knows that. Creation can hear that. When Jesus walked on water, do you think the waves heard his voice? As the Son of Man, not as God. As the Son of Man, he walked on water. Do you think Adam could have walked on water? Absolutely. Do you think Adam could have fed the 5,000? Absolutely. All the things that Jesus did in miracles, he did as man. To restore man back to man's position as God created Adam. And that relationship back as Adam in the church becomes the bride. So I'm one of the scriptures that the last two years the Lord's been really compressing on my heart at this time was the scripture in Romans. I just love Romans 8. But that one particular part of it, Romans 8 starting in 12, therefore, brethren, we are debtors. Where do we get that word debt from? Oh, that's the word deceived that Eve said when she, when she fell. Remember? We are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Please don't get caught up in gender, the women here. 
when you're talking about man, is mankind. In fact, God called Adam and Eve together, Adam. Eve was, Adam later called Eve, Eve, to blame her. God never called Eve, Eve. God called Adam and Eve together as one, as Adam. The word mankind is not gender specific. Neither is Adam, actually. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. Goes by shirk. No fear. But you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. That's the familiar. That's like saying daddy. I had that happen to a friend of mine, by the way, on his way from New York down to Florida. And we had this uh, prophet and uh, evangelist that I did with kitchen table. We prayed for him uh, to go and he almost received the baptism of the Holy Spirit at my table. And he starts yelling, Abba, Abba, Abba. He had no idea what he was talking about. That Abba was coming out of his mouth. It was Billy. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we also may be glorified together. So that is something that... Uh, For the, and going on a little bit later, it says, For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. We are in that moment in time. If you study Issachar, those are times and the seasons. We are in that time right now. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility. Do you hear under the oppression of the earth, the earth today is exploding with volcanoes and hurricanes and all sorts of things happening around the earth because they don't want to be under the dominion of Satan. They want to be under the dominion of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to the fidelity not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope, because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors, and you hear it and feel it in your spirit, that the whole creation is groaning and laboring with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption, of our body. So, I want to show you, share with you a little bit about how um, the Lord has operated within me over these last 40 years. And uh, about 25 years ago, I was having lunch with my pastor named Daryl Emerson, who's also a prophet. And we're having lunch, and some of you know the story. He says to me, uh, Tom, I remember saw him Sunday. I said, oh yeah, Daryl, what's up? He says, I see in you, you're a button. And I go, a button? He says, yeah, a button. And I said, well, don't overwhelm me, Dow. It's not really impressive when, you know, your pastor calls you a button, right? Uh, but then he goes on to, it's like a button. It's like two sides of a jacket get connected. It doesn't have to be one button. It could be a couple of buttons. You, know, you make things fit together. If things go like this in your hands, you know, it doesn't work. But if it fits together, you feel really good that God's made you into a button. And uh, that's about 25 years ago, and that's true. And I lived my life through the financial services industry. My, my uh, role in life was in that. And then I retired two years ago. And I'm thinking, what am I going to do now? And the works then moves me on to say, I really always want to write children's books. I'm like, I write about. I'm writing about overcoming fears. And I started realizing that the theme he gave me was Malachi 4.6. At the end of the age, hello, where are we? At the end of the age, I'll bring the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. Naturally, for Clay back there was falling asleep, and, and, for, <laughs> and supernaturally. 
naturally and supernaturally, bringing the hearts of the fathers and the fathers to the children is doing what? Connecting. As a button and a connector. And then I thought to myself, man, I only have like maybe 20 years left, Lord. You know, how can I fulfill my destiny in that? He says, don't worry about it. I'm relaxed. He says, you'll be doing that for all eternity. Don't worry about how you have you know, have a, a time constraint on your activities. So okay, that's good. Well, I can relax now about that. And and uh, he went on to start to unpack further the button. He's a connector, a connector between people and me. In fact, he says you can connect anything. You can connect people to me, people to people, people to things. Anything you want to connect, you can connect. And I said, okay, well, what role do I have to play in life? And God said to me, that, think about this. Um, he mentioned to me, I saw myself uh, in my calling to be a father. This gets very practical. Father, a husband, a son. I'm his son. I'm a priest. I'm a king. I'm a prophet. But in all those things... I'm a connector, putting everything together. And everything he does to me, no, I said through me, I said that word, through me in those roles is to connect. It's the function of connecting. Um, <clears throat> the, uh, so my, my destiny is a, a fulfillment of walking in those roles and my calling is to connect people as much as possible. About 25 years ago, about 30 maybe, I had a vision of myself and I was in a prayer meeting with uh, Michael Grass. I don't know if you know who Michael was. But I know Michael. You know Michael? Yeah. And uh, I was in there and I, I, was like, I, I looked at I had a vision of my hands and my hands turned on the fire and I saw fire in my hand coming out of it. You know, it's like Fire like in the burning bush. My hands were burning, but they were, but I could see it was the fire of God. I said, what are these for? He says, he says I'm going to bring forth healing and miracles out of you, through you. So for 25 years, I've been praying for that. It hasn't happened. Maybe 30 years. It hasn't happened yet, but I know somehow, because that vision, that vision will be fulfilled in my calling and my destiny. Okay? It's like giving you pieces of a puzzle. You don't see the whole thing. It's somewhat opaque at first, but different pieces that come in from either uh, dreams. By the way, all my books are dreams. I usually have them on Friday night or Monday, Sunday morning, uh, Saturday morning, I usually backfill the dialogue from the dreams. I, dreams is a good thing. Visions is another thing. Uh, reading the word and certain words become trigger words. They like jump out of me at the page. Um, sometimes through other prophetic teachings, I'm getting a lot of, as you beware, Robert, Robin Bullock's recently. Uh, other things people would say to me are trigger words. That, uh, or I could be reading a book or watching a movie or, or something, and something or picks out and it stops. And Lord says, come to me with that. So in my, mon my morning time, I spend time, I said, what was that word? Oh, I'm using right at the top of the page. What is that you're trying to tell me about? Um, last week we had... Um, the woman Brenda, I think what's her name? Who was speaking? Brenda Bryant? Or Beth Bryant? Beth, Beth. Beth Bryant. Beth Bryant, right. She was talking about uh, gates. Mm -hmm. And she mentioned the five gates of your body, which is basically your five senses. And afterwards, I said, you know, when I, many years ago, I was with my father and Lord, Brother Robert Ewing, down in Waco, Texas. And on the wall, they were uh, the five senses, the five gates to the body. And I said there were five gates to the soul, and there's five gates to the spirit. I couldn't remember all of them, but I remember like imagination was one of them, which is the gate. Mm -hmm. And so we need to learn to understand that those exist, because the devil understands those exist, and he wants to interfere with us understanding what our calling and destiny is by disrupting us through those, actually not five gates, it's 15 gates. There's 15 gates. Actually, he doesn't, he doesn't have access to the, uh, the spirit world. There's only 10. 
He's got the five of the body and the five of the soul. You can't get us on the spirit body. Um, okay, so. Um, let me see if there's anything else that he mentioned about it. Um, what we're seeing play itself out. <clears throat> this is one of the reasons why I like to spend the time, or do spend the time with uh, upfront and prophetic and going to meetings like that, or Pamela Grisham, or uh, Patriot Arise, Pamela Grisham, so on. I want to see Shelley. what's... Shelly. Shelly Landon. Uh, I, I'm very open and motivated to learn <laughs> what is happening and the spirit level that has impact on the earth. I mean, some people spend a lot of time in, in uh, their Christian walks, where they're up there in the spirit world, and they're not connected to what's going on on the earth. You know, they're in la-la land. I'm sure you know people like that. Um, but in my motivation, where God has me, it's not, it's just, yeah, I want you to go above the clouds and see what I'm doing. But you also have to come down onto the earth and see what I'm doing here and what I want you to do here. The prophet once told me, when you can see what the devil's doing, that doesn't mean you have to agree with it. Right. Come back up to heaven and see what God's doing. Yeah. Yeah. All right? I mean, you can get depressed if you see what the devil's doing. Yeah. You're reading the paper, listening to the news, fake news, whatever. You're going to see all what the devil's doing, and that's all he wants you to see. In fact, one of the things that uh, has happened with, uh, I guess, uh, talking about psychops wars, we're in a war right now. Clearly, we're in a war. Maybe it's not a shooting war with bullets, although parts of the world there is, but in the United States, it's not a shooting war with bullets, but it's definitely a war over our minds. And the degree to which we've been programmed is earth-shattering to me. Um, everything from things like Disney, which I thought was the most purest thing it could be, <laughs> all the subliminal messages that are going through Disney movies for the last 50 years or so. They're programming us. That was what the intent is to program us. And a lot of times that's not even enough to program us. They want to actually corrupt us. In terms of the, the literal word corruption, corrupt our bodies. This is what the whole vaccine ball game is about. Um, corrupt our bodies, corrupt our minds. They can't corrupt our spirit because our spirit man is incorruptible. But he's going to try like hell to stop us. It physically, when you see people committing suicide, what has happened basically with suicide is the devil took them out before their time. He stole their destiny. Okay? Uh, when you see people in bondage to uh, any of the addictions, alcohol, drugs, sex, pornography, everybody in, um, I study with everybody in prison has almost, every, is addicted to something. They're in bondage, they're addicted, and most of them are addicted to almost all three of them. They're all addicted to pornography, uh, drugs, and alcohol. Those three and then maybe more. How many people in prisons have a problem with either not knowing or not having a relationship with their father? 100%. Almost every single one, almost 100%. So when you start seeing those things, those and those, that's that's where you can follow the science. <laughs> you, know, you hear the the Fauci's of the world say follow the science, and they have, they make uh, fictitious, felonious, uh, fallacious, I should say, fallacious stats to say follow the science. But the true science is there, which are facts to understand those things that have to do with bondage. Those people don't know who they are. Now, most of us get information about who we are from other people. That's not how we get it. We get who we are, our calling, and our destiny from God. If you heard what I shared about being a button, 
came from God, about the different uh, other things I spoke about in my personal life, just revealing those things. It all came from heaven. My wife, Janie, didn't tell me. My children didn't tell me. My pastor, while well, he told me the one thing about the button, he was not functioning as a man. As a man, he was functioning, you know, prophetically. He was giving me information from heaven. And uh, that's what each one has, needs to... Uh, well, if, if you want to find out your destiny, if you want to find out your calling, you've got to hear the voice of God your Father. Just like Simon Peter did. It doesn't come from religious people. It doesn't come from logic. It doesn't come from your mind. Because you can't think it out rationally. Michael, you can't think out rationally who you are. God has to tell you. Well, I find that in today's world, when we're looking at the, um, uh, the end of the age and the stirring that's going on with the revealing of the sons of God, I'm seeing also and sensing in the fivefold ministry, I told us we do before, and uh, I'm hearing it from the prophets, but they say the prophets are being stirred up. They're the, the office of prophet, many more people are engaged in it, and there's many more coming out of that, and it's for the building up of the body. Um, one of the people we talked to uh, or heard today was talking about the, the tremendous wealth transfer that's going to happen around the earth. Yeah. And I think he said it or someone else said it, he said, it's for the, the, the wealth transfer from the wicked mm-hmm. to the righteous. Are we the righteous? Yeah. Yeah. To the righteous. Remember that righteous word mean right position. To the righteous, those who are in the right position is for the preparation for the marriage feast of the Lamb. The wealth transfer is to prepare the earth for Jesus' coming back. So our callings and our destinies have to do with that. Remember I said before, it has to do with the Arla Father. On earth as it is in heaven. Well, the activities that are going on earth 500 years ago are different than the activities that are going on the earth today. So yes, it's on the earth. That's the, the strategy, big picture. But it more specifically has to do with the return. And the teaching that goes out where the, Jesus once said, the traditions of men make the word, word of God to no effect. And they begin to talk about, uh, oh, we're going to be raptured up out of here because we're going to be saved from this world. That's not in scripture. We're not going to be saved, you know, and uh, be desperate and leave the earth with our tail between our legs. We're going to turn this world around and prepare it for the coming king. And he's going to be welcomed on the earth. And it's going to be a glorious thing. It's not going to be, oh my God, I'm depressed. (laughs) God, take me out of here. If you say that, you're believing Satan. And he is stealing your destiny. It's not to do that at all. It's not to have, and any time we allow fear to enter our minds, we talk about people's 401k plans and their, uh, what else should I say? Um, you know, fear can come at us in so many different directions, but people who worked all their lives, we'll, we'll look at the system that we have uh, perpetrated on our families and training our children. <coughs> Kabbalists and the globalists through the agency of the central banks causing debt has taught us and trained people to get on a rat race. Education, education, education. Get a great job. Work your butts off all day. Come home. Have dinner. Relax. Have a glass of wine. Go watch TV exhausted, go to bed, wake up, do the whole thing all over again. That's not a life of a believer. That's not a life of, that's not a life Adam had in in the garden. (laughs) Right? But to get us 
even programmed to do that. I'm so happy that I retired. I realized I don't have to wake up every morning and uh, earn a living. <laughs> oh, what a relief it is. Oh, what a relief. Yeah, seriously, right? But I wish I would have come to this conclusion 50 years ago. <laughs> right? I couldn't see it 50 years ago. I couldn't see all the issues. You know, when I was in the financial services industry, I was a very good strategist. I could plan people's lives out really well. And I really liked insurance-based things. I was not good with investing money in the stock market. And then realized the stock market really is a trading floor. And where do those trading floors come from? They come from hell. And the real big trading floors, the ones that are the high end of the market, is the trading trafficking of the souls of men. That's what Satan's really after. He wants to traffic in the souls of men. And in our destinies and callings, we are called to bring people out of that and to connect with God the Father in specific ways uh, um, that will give, um, how should I say, a movement and energy to the kingdom of God coming on the earth. One of my other pet peeves, I talk to my friend Otis about this all the time, <clears throat> is that in the church, in terms of the buildings around the country, around the world, the church, so many of the churches, 98% of the churches, I think, closed down. All the ones, I don't want to put things down, but just to put it in perspective, in the form of godliness, where is the power? Where is the power of the church today? Where are the miracles? Where are the healings? Where is the kingdom of God coming on the earth in the church today? Are we happy with the form of godliness? That we sing songs, that we, we preach the word, which is all good, nothing wrong with that, but where's the power of God in that? Where's the power of God made manifest? Come, yes, Michael, you have a question? Robert. You have a question? No? Okay. So, um, the, uh, uh, does anybody have a question right now about how they see themselves fitting in? The enemy wants us so much to be worried, have worry, anxiety, and fear thoughts about our retirement and our getting kicked out of our houses. And, uh, and young people is probably even worse right now um, in terms of where uh, where life is going to take them. You know, our training always gets us into careers. And the careers go into that rat race situation and 40, 50 years go by and you said, well, what was that all about? Right? Yeah. Well, what I'd like to do it's all right. I'd like to make sure we pray for people uh, that um, have come tonight for prayer for their destiny and plans. Um, thank you, Tony. You've done a wonderful uh, job. And I, I was so, on Monday morning, he, he called and he said, I've got to share something God's giving me. And um, 